Welcome to the Liberty Block, where accountability, freedom, and logic are paramount. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Liberty Block on 1490 WGCH. I'm your host, Elliot Axelman. If you'd like to be part of the program, please call 203-661-5051. In November of 2018, 16 months from now, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo will run for his third term as governor. There will be a Republican candidate who will surely run on an anti-Cuomo platform, who would surely do a 180 if elected and continue 99% of Cuomo's socialist and job-killing policies. This is what has happened every time a New York Republican has been elected. There is a libertarian candidate who has one simple idea. Let people live their lives freely with as little government interference as possible. That libertarian candidate for New York governor will be my guest in just a few minutes. According to CNBC, in 2017, New York State ranked 47th in the, center, in the country for the cost of doing business. A 2015 research study ranked New York 41st in the country for heavy business regulation. Freedominthe50states.org ranked New York State dead last in personal and economic freedom. And it's been that way for at least four years, according to the website. In 2015, Forbes wrote, quote, with the eighth highest income tax rate in the nation and the very highest state and local tax burden in the country, New York presents an inhospitable climate for work and businesses. According to a New York Post article in April of this year, more than one million people have left the New York area since Cuomo took office in 2010. And two of my brothers have moved out of New York for other states in the U.S. in the past few months. With a third state representative of the New Hampshire House switching to the Libertarian Party a few weeks ago, and another city official from upstate New York doing the same shortly after. Libertarians are gaining some serious momentum going into next year's election season. Larry Sharp, who has been a leader in the Libertarian movement and the Libertarian Party, announced two weeks ago that he will be running against Cuomo as a Libertarian in next year's gubernatorial election. Larry Sharp believes that it is illegal, unethical, and ineffective for government to make decisions that force people to live in a certain way. And he believes that stealing upwards of 40% of your, your money in order to pay for these restrictions is wrong as well. In just a few minutes, we're going to have calling in Mr. Sharp. You'll have a chance to ask him questions by calling in 203-661-5051 or commenting on the Facebook video. Before, before we go to break, I'm happy to tell you about our sponsor, the Praxis Program. Praxis embodies the same free market principles that we talk about on this show and they teach people the importance of creating actual value. And then they train them to become their own walking resume, as opposed to relying on a college degree, which is, as the CEO of Praxis puts it, it's just a piece of paper that says that you are roughly as good as the other few thousand people who just got the same exact piece of paper. Praxis is a 12-month-long training program, training and apprenticeship program that teaches people skills that are actually in demand in today's job market, as opposed to colleges that gladly take tons of your money and four years of your time, and rarely even prepare you for a job in the real world. After the Praxis program, 98% of participants were offered a full-time position by their partner company immediately after finishing the 12-month program, and the average salary was $50,000. 
And no, the program is not expensive. During those 12 months, you'll earn more than you spend since you'll be working as an apprentice for the last six months of the year. Visit discoverpraxis.com slash liberty for more info and to apply for the program. And it is competitive. We'll be back in two minutes with the Libertarian candidate for governor, Larry Sharp. This is the Liberty Block on 1490 WGCH and WGCH.com anywhere. Welcome back to the Liberty Block on 1490 WGCH. I'm Elliot Axelman. We have Libertarian candidate for New York Governor Larry Sharp on the phone. Larry is a business and professional coach who has been a guest instructor at Columbia's Graduate School of Business, as well as the Yale University of School Management. Yale University School of Management. He is also a former U.S. Marine and was a heavy favorite to be vice presidential nominee for the Libertarian Party in last year's election. Mr. Larry Sharp, it's an honor. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So did you hear the breaking news? NewYorkUpstate.com just reported a few minutes ago that Trump told upstate New Yorkers if they want jobs to move elsewhere in the country? Yeah, he's not wrong. That's the sad part. <laughs> I, don't, I, wish, I wish he was wrong. Uh, it's a problem, but we can fix that. This is, this is a repairable problem. The image that he has of upstate New York and the image that many people have of upstate New York is a problem. As you said, you know, New York State has been losing population for the past you know, several years. We're now fourth behind Florida. We used to be third, and they're all running away. But here's another problem that no one gets, and that is while New York State is losing population, New York City is gaining. Now, as New York City keeps growing, why? Because the only place in New York State where there's any type of uh, opportunity is actually in the city. And that's a problem. We want to make it to where the entire state gives you value. But the answer, of course, for Cuomo, our uh, governor, Andrew Cuomo, King Andrew, as I like to call him, is let's not fix upstate New York. Let's instead bribe people to stay with free stuff. And, of course, that now raises more and more taxes. And, of course, the taxes go heavily all over the place until all of a sudden people in upstate New York, particularly upstate New York, feel like they don't own their home. They feel like they're renting their home from New York State. This is just the wrong place to be. Yeah, it's uh, actually interesting that you mentioned the Excelsior Scholarship Program. We had another guest on, Ed Maslich from New Jersey, who's also an attorney. He mentioned that the scholarship program, people say it's free. It actually does cost you. It doesn't cost money, but it actually costs time because if you go to school for four years with the scholarship, you then owe New York four years of time. So you're enslaved with time to stay in New York State. So that's a whole other issue. And we're going to get into the scholarship program and free college later. But staying on the jobs in New York and the jobs programs, for the listeners, Cuomo in the last seven years has spent $25 billion that he took from me, from Larry, from you all in New York State, he took our money, $25 billion, and spent it on jobs programs. And according to Forbes.com, Cuomo's jobs programs, Startup New York, cost almost $700,000 per one job created in its yeah. first year. So he's taking our money to say it's for jobs, for jobs, for jobs programs. We're creating more jobs, and it sounds nice, but he's spending $700,000 to create every job. And I think that first year they created like 200 jobs, even though they promised a lot more than that. It's just incredible these jobs programs failures unbelievable yeah you know new york state is is surviving at all because of almost luck i mean new york city is such a mecca for for talent 
that people rush to New York City, that the most talented people in the world rush to New York City. And just the sheer talent is so good that we're able to overcome all the obstacles you know, to, that, that are against us. It's not because Cuomo's doing a good job in any way, shape, or form. It's because the talent pool is still really good in many of our cities. And our schools are good. I mean, we have Cornell. We have Syracuse, which is a great school. Rochester, which is a great school. We have, you know, Columbia, great school. We have great schools here that are doing a decent job, but he's even trying to stop that. If Cuomo was the governor of another state that didn't have both the educational resources and the talent resources that we have, I mean, he'd be an ultimate failure. He'd be, he would have been thrown out last last uh, election. Yeah, absolutely. Can you speak to your policies as a governor, Larry Sharp? How would you approach the jobs programs using taxpayer money to try to create jobs with jobs programs in New York State? How would you address that? Would you have any jobs programs that use taxpayer money? Well, this is a, this is a great question. And the first thing what we need when, think, when we're in trouble, when things are going poorly, what we need is innovation. We don't need centralization. You know, the, the, the leaders of today, the smart ones, the savvy ones, realize to be a good leader, you don't have to have all the answers or concentrate all the power. To be a good leader, you have to be an empowerer. You have to be someone who can accept decentralized control and allow for innovation and allow, allow for new things to happen. The odds of me using, be clear, when I'm governor in 2019, that first year is going to be a year of me doing things that an executive can do and using the bully pulpit to show people what it's about, to train and to teach and to motivate people to understand things have to change. Because I'm going to have a house that is against me, right? The state house is going to be against me completely because they're not going to be a libertarian. Oh, that's yeah. They're, they're 90% authoritarian in New York State. That's correct. So I know that the first year is not going to be magic, and I just want people to know that. When I'm, when I'm doing my, my training and when I'm actually you know, uh, bringing executives to change their organizations, I never promise perfection, but what I promise is better. So if I were ever to use any taxpayer money for any type of jobs program, if anything, it will be a prize for innovation, but it wouldn't be an actual program. There's no way that I can know what program is going to work best, but you know who does know? The colleges that are working right now, they do know. They are hearing the local businesses cry to them saying, we want you to give us this for our new hires. But unfortunately, colleges right now in New York State, they have, they're regulated. So they, can't, they cannot actually create degrees that are required unless the state approves them. That goes away the day I'm the governor. That goes right away. I want the colleges to be free to do what is right for the communities. That has to happen. But second, I have to allow for people, for example, say you want to be, and this is a, a notorious thing recently in New York, you want to start walking dogs. Why do you require a license? Well, in New York City, you do. Why do you need a license to braid hair? In New York City, you do. I was about to ask that. Why do you require these things? Those licensing fees need to go away so that I can figure out, so that people can figure out how they can grow their communities themselves. What's happening is you have young people, particularly young people, or people who are older who want to reinvent themselves because the market has beaten them up so badly now that they have to reinvent themselves. Well, they reinvent themselves as something new, like, I'm now going to open up a restaurant. I'm now going to do this or that. Well, you don't open up a restaurant. It's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars in fees before you even build out your restaurant. Because you know what matters? It matters that your hamburger patty is at 40 degrees whenever it's outside of the fridge. But these are the kind of relations we have that put people under. I'm sure our listeners 
know of someone who's had a business and they went under, and the last thing that put them under, the straw that broke the camel's back, was a government fine or fee. That happens far too much in New York. If you look around our nation, but New York in particular, try to find actual small business that's not a franchise. Try to find actual small business that is not a chain. Boy, you're looking hard. Because the chains, they're the ones that actually benefit from regulation. Because they're the ones who have the law, the team of lawyers who can sue the government, who can change the regulation, who write the regulation to make sure the little guy has no shot. That stuff has to go away. So what am I going to do? I'm going to unleash the individual New Yorker who loves his or her state, who wants to do something in their community, who wants to bring value. I'm going to stop punishing them. And I'm instead, I'm going to encourage them and show them, yes, I want you to do it. Please do that. I agree with you 100%. I would even add that a lot of people know it costs a lot of money and a lot of paperwork to open a business. Mm-hmm. What I only recently learned is if you close a business, how much money it costs to get permission from both the state and the city wow. to close your business because someone close to me just went through this procedure and we're still trying to get it done. Yes. So they want to punish you on the way in and punish you on the way out. But I have to go to one step further. If there's any actual way that I, we could actually start jobs in New York, it's to follow Nevada and Colorado, and just end the drug war. But not to end the drug war the way many of them have done, which is what we're going to do is allow you to, whatever, uh, grow marijuana now, right? We're going to grow marijuana now, but only my five crony capitalist friends. No, let anyone. But more important, there's actually a, I think it's in Massachusetts. There's a state that says, you know, you can go into the business, the the, uh, marijuana business, but can't have criminal records. The people who've gone to jail for marijuana are the experts in the field. That's true. They, they've already why been to jail. Yep. Yes. Why in the world would be allowing them to have those jobs? They're the experts. But two, they need jobs or they're going to go back in jail. So how about instead we allow we end the drug war and allow these people to have regular businesses in, in, the, in, the, drug, in the drug world? Why not? Then I want to go one step further to the end of the drug war. You mentioned a sponsor, practice, right? Yes, sir. They actually help people get jobs, right? Oh, yeah. Why aren't they running our prison system? I, you know what? As governor, you should approach them and see I if they would actually help will. a jobs program. Yes. What, the problem with privatized prisons is that they are paid for people's misery. The problem with privatized prisons is they are paid to lock people up, and it just creates corruption by default. And we've seen this throughout the country. Corrupt prosecutors, corrupt uh, uh, expert witnesses corrupt uh, coroners, corrupt everything because it's all based upon people being imprisoned. Of course, that's why you have mandatory minimums, all this stuff. But what if instead the company was paid like a recruiter? When the people leave, they go off and get a job, the company now gets 20% of their salary for X number of years. Now all of a sudden we have a system that actually rehabilitates. We have a system that gets people back in action, particularly for nonviolent crimes. Why in the world are we taking people who are nonviolent, putting them in, in jail for 10 years with the most violent people we have, putting them violent, then setting them outside into the, into the world with no skills, learning how to be violent, and a criminal record that stops them from getting a job? And then we wonder why they go out to jail. Yeah, and them being in prison in the first place probably 
hardens them and trains them in how to be real criminals and then yes. eventually bigger, worse criminals and violent criminals, as opposed to just getting them back into the workforce, being productive members of society, improving their self-esteem, improving their lives and letting them get back into the workforce. Like something like this, if, if you created a real jobs program, I hate the term jobs program because I identify it with Cuomo stealing $25 billion from me. Yep. But this is a kind of jobs program that I could get behind, I think, if if we actually had a company like Praxis work with prisons, with with prisons and, and getting their prisoners back into the workforce, and that's something that could work really, really well. Absolutely. You cut, and you cut the amount of money that the companies make from imprisoning people. You cut it tremendously, and you let them make the money in the back end when people are out there working, which now disincentivizes people to stay in jail for long periods of time and incentivizes people to get out and get jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And but as far I have as to the... go one step further with this, it, people might say, "But Larry, it's not fair. This person did a crime. You know, how would, why should they get jobs and did a crime?" Here's why: because I want actual, I want someone to actually pay for their crime. If someone is, if someone did a crime, right? Someone robbed you, right? Someone, someone robs you, and I rob you for three thousand bucks. Then I go off to jail. That's justice. Well, I never paying? get my money back. And who's paying for me in jail? You are. You got robbed twice. Mm-hmm. And even better, now your insurance rates go up. You got robbed three times. How is that justice? How about instead I go to jail for a shorter period of time, and then when I get out, I got to pay you and or the state back. How about that? That makes so much sense. And, and yes. I, I assume you've already heard some pushback. And, and it's, this is justified if you hear pushback as far as the um, involuntary servitude, as far as people will at least invoke slavery, you know what I mean? No, 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 I am not taking yeah. all, I'm not in any way, shape, or form taking all of their income or even all their labor. Yeah, it would so be a program so they could just pay me back, which is appropriate. If someone robs me for $1,000, it is correct. justice for them to pay me back if it's a percentage of their income for the first few years out of prison. And then, Yes, and if they make a lot of money, if they get a great job, that's awesome. They pay you back faster. Absolutely. So Even better. I, as far as the, the drug war, do you see Cuomo, the, the current Cuomo administration in New York State currently, ever moving towards decriminalizing drugs? I, I read something the other day stating that Cuomo, in, in his eighth year, after being in office for seven years, saying, you know what, in my eighth year, now I'm going to get to decriminalizing marijuana. And this becomes the issue. Two things I want to bring up. One, His Majesty's government has never seen any crime or any problem, I should say, any problem that he can't hit with his royal scepter. He thinks hitting it over the head is the answer for everything. His answer is more laws, more laws, more laws. But let me touch two pieces. The first piece is, no, he's not going to change anything because, of course, the lobbyists are huge. And second, if he's weak on crime at all and one person does anything bad, the media is going to just destroy him. My point is, I don't care. When I'm governor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to use my pardon, not on the you know, last minute of the last hour of my last year. I'm going to pardon people, and I will have an office specifically dedicated to that every month. People will be pardoned. Why? Because there are corrupt and bad and broken prosecutors and judges in this state, and right now there is no punishment. I will have people to go through, check, and see what is bad, and I will pardon people every month and call out the actual prosecutors and judges 
who are corrupt. Now, you might say, that's crazy, right? Someone's doing something bad, and you're going to take heat for it. You're right. One of those guys or gals is going to go out there and do something stupid, and they're going to say, see, Larry, you pardoned him. And I'm going to say, yes, you're correct. Absolutely, I did. And if the one person does something bad, ten people are free. And that's what our country was built upon, and we forgot that. We have forgotten that our nation was built on the idea that it's better for a guilty man to go free than an innocent person to go to jail. Now we are all about punishment. I will show the world where we need to go back to what our country was built on. Freedom matters more than righteousness. Now you're, you're talking specifically about so-called victimless crimes, I that assume. That is correct. Yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Absolutely agree. Yeah. If there's, exactly if there's no talking. victim, there's no crime. I absolutely there's agree. There's no victim. Why, why are we going nuts and putting people in jail for 20 years when there's no victim? Why are we doing things like because of some kind of three strikes or outwill or whatever the case may be? And in, in any given situation, someone you know has a plant in their pocket and they do 20 years. Why do we mm-hmm. have that? That's wrong. I know it's legal, but the issue is for most of Americans, we have to realize there's a difference between righteous and legal. It's not always the same. And we have to be able to show people, look, I have to be able to go to someone and say, prosecutor. Why did you think it was a good idea to put this person in jail for 20 years for having marijuana? And the prosecutor may look at me and say, Governor, because it's the law. And I will say, yes, you're correct. It's the law. But it's wrong. Yeah, and that's where more jury nullification also comes into play. Which, again, jury nullification is almost a non-existent thing in New York State. That's the idea of the bully pulpit that I talked about. Saying these things, telling people that it's your responsibility to stop worshiping laws that Mm -hmm. are wrong. There was a time when beating your wife was legal. That was wrong then, and that's wrong now. But it was legal. There's a time when pouring a beer made you a criminal. That's a bad law, and it shouldn't exist now. And right now, there's a law. If you have a certain amount of a plant in your pocket, you're a criminal. And that's also a bad law. Yeah, and I have bad news over the next few months because I've been looking at some of these Senate bills because my state senator in Whitestone Bayside area of East Queens he submits a lot of very authoritarian communist bills, and I think a few of them are going to pass later in the season when the Senate meets again in Albany. There are some bills, I don't know if you're aware of this, they're going to make, they want to make it illegal to have a leaf blower that uses gas. They want to make it illegal to hold a cell phone or text or talk on the phone while crossing the street. I mean, there are a lot more things are becoming criminal, and that's the issue. When there are 50,000 crimes, pretty much everyone's a criminal. And- well, there's two points on this. The first one is that's the plan. The plan is to make sure, and it's almost there, that no matter what, you're a criminal. This way, once you're targeted, you go to jail, right? Mm-hmm. So all of this decide who will be targeted, and that's the, also, that's, that's the perfection of a police state. Everyone's a criminal. As long as you bow to the king, you don't get targeted, you'll be fine. But the second you don't bow to the king, they target you. And once they target you, you're obviously guilty of 75 crimes, so in jail you go. The second piece here. They're not wrong that you probably shouldn't cross the street on your cell phone. Of course. That's, that's true. And the best example of this is I'll go with the New York City famous thing of, you know, the, we should only have Cokes of 16 ounces or, or, yeah. or smaller, right? That the science behind Bloomberg's idea of banning a bottle of, oh, sorry, um, drinks, Coke, uh, soda drinks over 16 ounces, science is true. Of if course. you give people less. Soda, they'll drink less soda. It's accurate. The issue is, why is law always the answer? Why do we have to make people criminals? Why is force the answer? 
Why isn't the answer education? Why isn't the answer videos that go on YouTube to make people laugh and think about it? Why isn't the answer talk shows? Why is the answer the bully pulpit? Why isn't it that? Why does the answer always have to be law? Because it's a great way to create criminals based upon its right. Just because it's right doesn't mean it should be a law. But I'll go one step further. If you make it a law, often you hurt the market. Let me go to the Bloomberg piece, right? The idea, the science behind Bloomberg, the smaller soda bottles or, or soda cups, is good science. But once you make it a law, guess what? I can't use it as a marketing tool. And once it fails the law, now it's a joke. If he simply would have used the bully pulpit and said, hey, guys, look at what's true. If you give people smaller sodas, they'll drink less. If you care about your health, you should drink less soda. That's not a bad thing to say. He could talk about it a lot. And guess what would have happened? Some health-conscious restaurants would have voluntarily said, you know what? We care about our patrons. We are not going to serve you sodas, uh, you know, more than 16 ounces. And that would have been a marketing tool for them. Absolutely. That's, I didn't even think about it that way. Yes. Now that's a mark. You see, we care about you. And, and those health-conscious people who care about that will run to that restaurant. That's a differentiator in the market. And those that don't care go to the other store. Well, that's the whole, the whole end goal of the central planning of King Cuomo and, and yes. of our federal government. They want to take over the market. They don't want the market to be able to compete freely and have Well, no, 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 no. The, the idea is they believe in their heart that since it's correct, I can force you to do it. There's, the issue is there is no actual ideology here. It's just I'm right, therefore I enforce my will. This is the old elections have consequences, mm -hmm. right? I'm right, and since I won this time, I enforce my will. This is what the two-party system has become. Whoever wins enforces their will. There's no left and right. It's my king versus your king. What I'm saying is, I don't have a problem with telling me that it's correct or right, but why won't you let this change over time? And here's my point. If you force me to the 16-ounce Coke, then I'm going to rebel. But if they simply said it, eventually, over time, whether it was five years or 50 years, I don't care when, all the restaurants probably would have copied. People would have seen it. People would begin to ask for it. People would decide it's right. And that change is real change not force change. We would have decided as a culture that we don't want large sodas, and that would be great for us. It would be real. We would look at others who have large sodas and say, wow, that's silly. Now we look at large sodas as prideful because we're showing the man. Mm -hmm. I, I've said it for a while. I say it seemingly every week on the show. If the people want change, they're going to make it happen. If yes. we want to start buying a certain kind of thing, we're going to make it happen. Yes. All right, we have to step away for two minutes. This is the Liberty Block on 1490 WGCH, and our guest is Libertarian candidate for governor of New York, Larry Sharp. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Liberty Block on 1490 and WGCH.com anywhere. This is Elliot Axelman. We have Larry Sharp, Libertarian candidate for governor of New York, on the line. We were talking all about jobs programs and the drug war, and we have a, a lot more issues to get to. I want to ask Larry on your thoughts on the whole big MTA scandal. They're spending billions of my money and your money, billions of tax dollars on the MTA, and it seems to just get worse and worse. What are all your thoughts on it, and what are your solutions going forward? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things. Um, the entire idea of 
all our transportation being run out of Albany is just so backward I can't believe it. All we do is put Band-Aids on this. I mean, we have a system that is completely broken. And the answer is not to just change it overnight. That would be a problem. But instead, the government has to stop. It has to make a shift. And it's a fundamental shift in mindset. It has to stop being an enforcer and start being a facilitator. So we have to shift from, oh, there's a problem. Let me enforce new rules and regulations. Let me decide to, to blame someone for problems. Instead, let me take responsibility, which is non-existent. No one takes responsibility for this. Let's take responsibility for facilitating an answer. And the answer is facilitating private competition over time. That's the answer. How do I get a, a private company to invest in this and take this over over time? But not just a regular company. This should be something very much out-of-the-box thinking. We are in New York, and to make Long Island, Westchester, and Upstate connect, we need a good transportation system. So that's something like asking someone like, I'm very serious, a Google or you know, uh, someone like that, some large company like that. Amazon's big. In, Amazon, uh, even, even grabbing you know, the test, people from Tesla, Elon Musk, but it's not the way we did it last time, the disaster. Yeah, Cuomo's was already it. his friend. Yeah, but he did it in a disaster. He basically just gave it to Corny Capitalist. Mm -hmm. But not the way he did it, but actually saying, good, how can we come in and have you work side by side to build out something completely new that can compete against the old? Mm -hmm. And that, I have one great that idea that I mentioned. competition against the old will force the old to do one of two things. Either get better or specialize. Or the last thing, die. And the example that I give is the post office. We allowed UPS and FedEx to, to compete against the post office. Well, the post office has become better, and it has kind of specialized. It's really become more of a bulk mailer than anything else. It's good at bulk mailing, right? But overnight, really, it's been taken over by others, right? Amazon has their own thing. UPS has their own thing. So once you facilitate that, the, the MTA then has to either specialize, or it has to get better, or it will die. All good. But you turn the MTA eventually into a situation to where it can compete with the private sector and no taxpayer money. Again, it's similar to the post office. Yeah, and one more thing that I would add to your plan, and if you were to become governor, I would strongly recommend that you adopt this plan. I was doing a show on police accountability a few weeks ago, and I just was thinking, how do you make sure they're accountable? Any, any big, strong, big government program becomes unaccountable. And what yeah. I realized is the MTA essentially right now has a contract that's infinite, right? Every single year, they're always running our trains. If we contracted with, let's say, Tesla one year and then Amazon one year, what we should do is only have one year or two year contracts. And that way, if they, if they perform terribly, we can just fire them. Unlike the MTA, which is unfireable because they're essentially, they're part of the government and they have the infinite contract. Yeah, or they just run it themselves and we don't even hire them. No one hires UPS. No one hires FedEx. They either function or they don't. Absolutely. And privatizing so something completely just... The one biggest thing right away, the biggest advantage is that immediately the second it's privatized, you and I are no longer forced to fund it. And that's the best part. Yes, but my, my issue here is if, if I don't even want to simply replace what's there. That in itself is not innovative thinking. Maybe we don't need train. Maybe we need a bullet train. Maybe we need a magnetic train. Maybe we need um, driverless cars on a Google road. I made that up. I have no idea if any of that's yeah, true. Yeah, let the market decide. Yes. Thank you. That's what I'm talking about. We, most of us are about let's get a new vendor for the old thing. 
you know, that's like in the 1800s. Instead of getting cars, let's get a new horse vendor. Maybe we need cars. And my point is, we because of how we're thinking, our thought. Look, as I said, this is what I do for a living in my personal life. I help companies move through change, and we have to get to out of the box thinking. Innovation is not about centralized. When executives come to me and say, "Larry, I need my people to be more, you know, be more creative. I need more innovation." What do I need to do? And I say, let go. Let go. But some of them are going to fail. Then they'll fail, and they'll either learn from it or you'll realize they're not the right person, and you'll fire them. Either one is the right answer. But begin to let go. The more you let go, the more you give people some freedom. This is why I'm libertarian, because I've been teaching this stuff, libertarian thought, for years. It's, it works in your private life. It works in professional life. It works in government. The more you let people go and be free, the more innovation you get. So I don't want to just replace a vendor. I want people to start saying, what should we have? And then make it next to that vendor and see if that vendor can compete effectively with that new thing, whatever that thing is. If the vendor can compete, well done. It deserves to survive. If the vendor can't, goodbye vendor. Well, you're up against several barriers here, obviously. You're up against the crony capitalists who profit from all of this. Yes. You're up against the unions who profit yes. from this and launder money yep. for the uh, people in power. And you're up against decades of education that most Americans are convinced that government mm -hmm. is the only and the very best at anything. At innovating. And I was about to ask you, do most people nowadays know that cars were not invented by government? They were invented by those evil <laughs> private industries who care about profit. Yes. And, th and your, your point's about which is why people often ask me, Larry, what are you in your first 100 days? And I say, you know, when it comes to legislature, nothing. There's no way. I, there's, look, again, I said, I'm a change maker. That's what I do. If I walk into an environment, I'm not going to walk in and say, I'm changing everything. This is the mistake that both Trump and Obama made. They both thought they're super cool. They're super smart. They're going to walk in and change everything. And both of them have failed miserably in that. I'm not going to come in, as I said earlier. My first year, to exactly your point, is bully pulpit, bully pulpit, talking and showing people how this can be done, explaining, educating, talking, getting, getting them to pressure their local people. At the same time, libertarians are winning at the local level. And as they win locally here in New York State, cities will see a difference. Local mayors will see a difference on how things get better when you make government smaller and free people. That is how we will move to a point. Year two and three is when we'll see real change. Year one is that transition period. You're correct. I've found a lot of people. And look, the people who love the unions, they're probably not going to vote for me anyway. So I'll make them unhappy? Oh, well, what am I going to do? Will union workers vote for me? A lot of them will, particularly the younger ones, who don't want to spend their life in a union, who want to get out there and do other things, who want to make sure the unions they get are now adjusted unions that support the market. Unions themselves are not bad. I know they have a bad rap. They're not. The people in unions, most of them are wonderful people. Well, it's the government unions that we have an issue with. That is correct. That's the problem. The problem where that it has to be union against the world. That's a problem. But people should, in any way, shape, or form, be able to use their freedom of association to collectivize as they see appropriate and to bargain collectively if they choose to. There's nothing wrong with that, and they should do it. But the problem, once you have a union and the government as as collaborators, that's a problem. But unions themselves are fine. 
Yeah, it's just the government unions that that they're in it together and they're essentially part of the government. Like MTA, it's if you work for the MTA, you work for the government. That's it's, correct. That's and what gets that's sick. the problem. And and that's why us libertarians are always saying, to your point, we want to take over government just to leave everyone alone. That is our goal: to leave people alone, let them live their lives how they well, see fit. I, I don't want to. I, I want to be clear on this. And this is a message that people often get confused. There's a difference between stopping injustice and enforcing justice. Government right now is trying to enforce justice. It's saying this is correct, therefore it's law. This is correct, therefore it's law. This is correct, therefore do it. And if we don't, we're bad. Our job is to enforce uh, and to ensure and enforce justice. No. Government's job is to stop injustice. So now the government, instead of assuming that everyone's bad, so do as I say or you'll be bad, you should assume that people are good. And when there's a bad person, stop the injustice. The problem is we've confused those two. I want government not to leave us alone. I want government to help us stop injustice. I just want to stop enforcing justice. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a lot more to get to. I want to ask you about gun laws and the SAFE Act. Before that, we do have some commenters on the Facebook live stream who want your opinion on what Trump said uh, earlier about banning transgenders in the military. As governor of New York, you would be the commander-in-chief, I understand, of the New York Guard. So what would be your thoughts and would you allow transgender people to serve in the New York military? I just don't understand why this is such a big deal. To be forward, I, I don't know why it's such a big deal. If someone wants to volunteer to serve their country, I don't have a problem with it. If, my, if I realize that it's going to be a problem, meaning it will actually stop or hurt, then I would say no. But as far as I know, and to be clear, a tra I'm not an expert in transgender relationships at all. Well, here's what I know. Gay people in the military has not destroyed the military. It hasn't done anything to the military. I have no problem with people being gay, different, whatever. Unless you're going to tell me that in some way, shape, or form, transgender people can't function in the military, why shouldn't they? Well, should the government be paying for their sex reassignment surgeries? No. Oh, yeah. That, that's a whole other issue. And that's where I think you separate from the left, and that's where you separate yeah. from Trump. That's so, right. No. No. But yeah. if they want to serve, they want to serve. Yeah. To my That's knowledge, okay. gays and I believe also transgenders do serve in the Israeli I, army. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the unless, look unless if if someone an individual is a problem, that individual should be removed, but not because they're transgendered, because they're a problem. Exactly, it should be about their ability to serve, and I yeah, agree. And that's individual. where, yeah, I think that's another big distinction between the Libertarian Party from the right and the left, and they all have their own their own issues. Uh, no, but look, I got to be clear. Uh, in my in my eyes, and maybe people will tell me I'm wrong. I don't see the government's job is to do actual transgender surgery. Yeah, I don't see that. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's another big issue again that mostly yeah. conservatives. But again, at libertarians, we have the issue not from the cultural, not from the conservative or religious, or I mean, not from that side. We have the issue fiscally. I don't want to be paying for anyone else's surgery, especially if it's elective. So that's where the libertarians come from. Fiscally, we don't think we should be paying for other people's elective surgery, that's whereas correct. the traditional right, as far as the GOP in general, they don't want it because they, they see all of that as, as big cultural issues, and it's more yeah, of an issue look, against their religion. To be clear, there are, that there are people who are transgendered who are affected because of this and because of society to where they, are, you know, they have a lot of mental problems because of society and what's yeah. happened. If that's 
stop the person from serving, they shouldn't serve, but not because they're transgendered, but because they have either a mental or physical issue that stops yeah, them. Yeah, then they wouldn't serving. be fit to, to serve as a soldier. And you were in the Marines for how long? I was in the Marines for seven years. All right, excellent. So going uh, on that same topic, about the, I want to ask you about the SAFE Act of 2013 that Cuomo passed in about a day and a half. The entire bill passed <laughs> the state assembly, state senate, and then he signed it into law. This happened uh, Monday, and by Tuesday afternoon, apparently, he was signed into law. And he boasted about it afterwards, saying this is the strictest gun control law in the entire U.S. He should be embarrassed. He shouldn't be boasting. He should be embarrassed. Why in the world would, would you want to make it even harder? Why would you want to punish people even more? This goes back to what I said. His Majesty is happy to hit any problem with his royal scepter. Punishment is always the answer. The problem is all of his laws encourage corruption. I, I'm going to mm -hmm. touch a little bit off, but I'm going to touch. They're all the same. If people, he creates laws that are virtually unenforceable, and he creates laws that encourage people to break them. Mm -hmm. right? Excuse me, and, Larry. Larry, yes. excuse me. You are sounding dangerously like a very subversive document. That I remember from world history, I think it was called the Declaration of um, I think it was around Independence or something. Come on, that's an old <laughs> document that has no value today, right? That's what yep. European. They were also you're, criminals. You're starting to sound like that. Yes, that is that has no. Yeah, look, let me, let me be clear on on the safe act. It's a bad idea, and it should go away immediately. Can I get it to go away immediately? Probably not. But can I tell my law enforcement? to stop really fighting it and to stop enforcing it? Yes, I can. Yeah, Absolutely. that is true. That is true, actually. That I can do, and that's what I'm saying. I can do that, and when I do that, will all of a sudden New York State turn into uh, you know, the Walking Dead or Mad Max? Of course not. Of course not. Here's the issue when it comes to guns. I live in New York City. I don't have a gun. And to be full with you, this is a myth that people sometimes get surprised when I say, but I want to be clear on this. I'm not necessarily pro-gun, but I'm 100% pro-Second Amendment. The right to have one is okay, but if I choose to defend myself with my wit and my word, that's my choice. But if you choose to defend yourself with a firearm, that's your choice. The, both of those are the right answer. The only wrong answer is one of us telling the other one he can't. Yeah, well, I, I have good news. I read a few months ago that after the law, you know, it classified a lot more weapons as assault weapon. I think in general, in simple terms, there were historically two two uh, ways that a gun could be classified as an assault weapon in New York. This, this SAFE Act made it into one. So if a gun has one feature that's assault-like, I guess a scary feature, like a pistol grip or, or a rifled barrel so you could screw on a silencer, I suppose, or if it has one of these features, it became an assault weapon. So that made millions of more guns owned by New Yorkers into weapons. I read a statistic a few months ago that said there are a million weapons that became assault weapons after the law was passed, one million guns that have still not been registered because the people in New York are they're just not going to register them because That's yesterday it was point. legal and now it's illegal. Yes. Now, not that, two, one, he just made sure that we would now, be, we would now fight the law. We, he encouraged corruption and lying. That's what he does. He encourages it. Now, his, his law, okay, the free college law is the same thing, right? So if I do four years in a, in a college and now I get my dream job in Boston, mm -hmm. what am I going to do? I'm going to go to Boston and then I'm going to the money. Then you owe the no, money. No, I'm going to lie and say that I'm still living with my Oh, of mom. course. You're going to keep an address in New York. That's yeah, all I'm going to do. I've, he's just mm -hmm. encouraged lying. He's encouraged corruption. And here's the worst part. 
Now I go to Boston and get my $3,000 a year job, and I'm happy. And you're a criminal. So I'm a criminal, but hold on. Now someone has to be the who lives in the right house police. So who's mm-hmm. going to come by now? Now we have to create a new law enforcement agency, the college enforcement rules, mm-hmm. whatever. And who's paying for that? Another guy in a badge, another guy in a badge, another guy in uniform, another union worker for the government that has to go out and check and ask, does Janie really live here or not? And when Janie actually doesn't live here, who goes? Who gets punished? The mom gets punished for lying. The, the girl gets punished in Boston. And the mom gets punished. She's a criminal. And now the girl gets punished, too. So now she has to pay that loan back. Well, guess what? She can't afford where she lives now or to have that job anymore because now she has a loan. She just lost her job. And now well since done, this is crossing King state Andrew. lines, since you're crossing state lines, this police has to be federal. You got it. Ooh. Here we go. More badges. More badges, more and criminals. What's so sad is that when we talk to, to normal people, not crazy libertarians like us, when we talk to people, they say, well, Larry, Elliot, it's the law. The law is the law. You are criminals. You got to serve in time. You know what, Larry? You do have to go to jail for a few years. I'm sorry. And that's broke what I'm going to talk about as governor, the difference between law and righteousness. They are not the same. Look, we have become our father. We, as, as Americans, have become the British Empire. We rebelled mm-hmm. against the British Empire as, as rebellious teams. I'm not going to be like you, Dad. I'm about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. I'm not going to be about law and order and the empire. And now it's 20 years later, and we've forgotten all about life, liberty, and happiness. All we care about is, is law, order, and empire. We've become our father. Right. Mark Stewart, another co-host, actually is calling in. He has a question if you want to take it, Larry. Sure, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. You're on. Wait. Can't mistake that voice, so I had to call in literally on the very day that I just applied for my pistol permit in Connecticut. Congratulations. I have a question for Larry. Is there a line below which people shouldn't have pistols? Yes, I think there is. As a general rule, I do not believe in any type of lifetime banning to have a gun. That is unconstitutional, it's unfair, it's wrong, it is cruel and unusual punishment, and it is you know, lifetime taking away rights. So just because someone's a felon, no worries. Don't have a gun while you're in jail. But when you get out, if you want to protect yourself, you should be able to have a gun. It, you, there should be no list, no fly list, that stuff. All that does is make sure bureaucrats can randomly select people to not have rights. That's not true. Is there a mental competency level That's that my we issue. have to have? There is an issue. And my, my issue, I have a worry about this, though. There has to be, and I don't know the answer to what this is, there has to be something more than just a doctor says you're crazy. Well, you know what the that's SAFE Act did? Enough. The SAFE Act extended that to social workers and nurses. A nurse can say, you know, my yes. ex-boyfriend's crazy. If they say the word crazy, police actually come in and they can take their gun. That's and the SAFE Act extended this do. to nurses. You're exactly right. You can't do that. So there is a line, Mark. I'm not sure whether it is, but it's not one doctor. That's not it. It's maybe multiple doctors. Maybe it's family also. I'm unsure what that is, but it's not just one doctor. Yeah, I mean, that's what we do with with, uh, psychiatric patients. We call it in New York 2PC. It's called something else in every state. You need two psychiatrists, I believe, to to hold someone for more than a a few hours in the ER or something. something That makes sense at least. At least two psychiatrists is better than one nurse or one social worker. Absolutely. Or or worse, a judge who's always going to say yes, or a cop who's always going to say yes. Or a girlfriend is always going to say yes. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. We only have about one minute left, right around 60 seconds. Uh, Larry Sharp, if people want to support your campaign, where can they find out more info and how can they donate? LarrySharp.com. Pledge whatever you can pledge, but not just pledge. Don't, uh, volunteer. I need help. I need people to go out and help me. I've got about 100 or so volunteers now. We are rocking and rolling, raising a lot of money, moving stuff forward, helping the party out. This is for the future. This campaign is the future. It's the way libertarian Absolutely. How do you spell LarrySharp.com? L-A-R-R-Y-S-H-A-R-P-E. He makes it special.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Larry. We're all rooting for you for governor against Cuomo next year. Remember exactly. to check out libertyblock.com and our Facebook page for more info and for complete shows, video clips, and articles. We'll be back next week with Laser Axelman, who's back from Pearl Harbor, where he is now as my co-host. Make sure to tune in to 1490 WGCH and WGCH.com anywhere. Have a great night and a great weekend.